Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is February the 10th, 2023, and I'm happy you could join me. I hope all is well in your world here in the Northeast. We're enjoying spring-like weather while snow is about to hammer the Southeast. And, um, uh, you know, what can I say? I just hope that where you are, you're warm, you're comfortable, you're safe, um, you're with the people who are close to you. Uh, Life is a tough proposition, and we all need uh, the help of those that we love and those uh, close friends and so forth who can be helpful to us in making this uh, tough journey. Um, Unfortunately, it seems that these days, uh, especially from the perspective of our alleged leaders, uh, not much is being done to make things easy for we, the people. Um, The Republicans are in control of the House marginally, They just held a hearing, and I want to talk about that. But I really want to be clear about this. Both political parties, both political parties have gotten us into the mess that we're in. Uh, It seems as though this is all about gamesmanship. Uh, Who's going to control the power? Who's going to get the money? Who's going to get the votes? Um, Not much in the way of governance, but lots in the way of um, power. We have power-hungry people that seek political jobs, uh, seek to run for office. The Democrats have completely come off the rails, and I'm a lifelong Democrat. But I have to tell you, I'm underwhelmed by the Republicans also. But I I want to get into that. But I I just want to remind everybody about what George Washington had to say during his uh, farewell address at Francis Tavern uh, here in in, uh, the southern part of Manhattan. Francis Tavern, which is still a landmark, by the way, here in New York. This is, these are George Washington's words. What a brilliant man. What a great leader. However, political parties may that now and then answer popular ends. They are likely, in the course of time and things, to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. This has been going on for far too long. The border crisis is far more than the Mexican border. I keep writing about it, talking about it, and when I've had the opportunity, testifying about it. And it didn't start with the Biden administration, although what he has done is uh, really blown the doors off the hinges in, in a way that I never thought was possible, in violation of the Constitution, in violation of his oath, oath of office, Uh, It's incredible. It's incredible. But this is a long time coming because let's be very blunt about it. Campaign contributions are bribes. I was not allowed to take a cup of coffee when I was on duty. Couldn't take a can of soda. The most that we could accept was a glass of ice water. And for good reason. The idea is that um, as one of my old time bosses, you know, when we had real leaders used to say, Uh, As federal agents, it's not enough that you don't engage in wrongdoing. You must never even give the illusion of doing wrong. 
And then you look at the Biden administration and Hunter, uh, these members of Congress, the ethics investigations. It just goes on and on and on, and it's shameless. Falwell and uh, uh, um, uh, Swalwell involved with uh, the Chinese government going back to his days, from what I understand, on the city council, um, allegedly cavorting with a Chinese prostitute linked to the Chinese intelligence system as a member of Congress, and he's still in Congress. If I did half of that as an agent, I'd be out of a job and maybe facing a grand jury. This is what has happened to our politicians. They believe, and no one's convinced them otherwise, that they themselves are above the law. They can do whatever they want with impunity. And they do. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we're looking at this crisis on the southern border. It has been going on for a long time. This, this whole business really began with Jimmy Carter mandating that immigration employees not use the word illegal alien to describe illegal aliens. Let's, let's twist the words. Let's be or, as Orwellian as possible. The term alien simply means any person who is not a citizen or national of the United States, period, full stop. Not my definition. That's the definition that can be found in the Immigration and Nationality Act, the laws that govern immigration for the United States in all of its aspects. Alien, any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. Where's the insult? It's about clarity. And when you're a con artist, and most politicians sadly, tragically are, then the last thing you want is clear language. How many times have you seen a politician get up there, and as some of my friends call it, speechify for 40 minutes, and when they're done running their mouths, you still don't know where they stand on any issue. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's astonishing. And they get away with this con game, election after election. So Carter started that nonsense, ordered that immigration agents not make arrests of illegal aliens during the census because he wanted them counted for the census, which, of course, um, determines how many seats in the House are, are, are held by various districts and, as a consequence, how many electoral votes there are. It was gerrymandering, using immigration. And then along comes Ronald Reagan, who gives us the visa waiver program, the diversity visa. He laid the groundwork. George Herbert Walker Bush signed it into law, gave us the first massive amnesty program. And by the way, it wasn't just the amnesty program, which legalized somewhere between three and a half and four million, and no one ever discusses how many people they subsequently brought in, their kids and so forth. I wouldn't doubt that the amnesty associated with the Immigration Reform and Control Act of 85 during the Reagan administration ultimately probably led to more than 12, uh, 12 million uh, immigrants coming to the United States, children and then chain migration. So we have brothers and sisters and their families and so forth. Thank you, Mr. Reagan. But the amnesty program, and I haven't really spoken about it, but it's really worth talking about. Um, was sacrosanct. Now, what do I mean by that? As an immigration agent, we frequently worked with other agencies, local law enforcement, federal agencies, FBI, DEA, ATF, and in fact, at the end of my career, the last third of my career, or last half of my career, when I was assigned to DEA intelligence, and then I was assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, I worked intimately on a daily basis with all those other agencies, plus law enforcement from other countries, plus local city, state law enforcement here in the United States, NYPD, New York State Police, and so forth. And very often they'd say to me, hey, Mike, can you get me a file on someone? We're investigating for a murder. We're investigating him for a kidnapping. 
uh, he's been doing gun running, whatever the crimes. And we would happily uh, allow the other agents from the other agencies to review the immigration file. And we would put a notice in the file in accordance with the Freedom of Information Act that NYPD reviewed the file for routine investigative purpose, or the FBI or ATF or whomever. And we would turn everything over with the exception of something known as third agency material. So if that immigration file contained a report from ATF or U.S. Customs or the FBI, we could not give them that report. That had to be taken out of the file before they got to review the file because it was only loaned to us, not our permanent property. And if they wanted to see that report, then they would have to go to that other agency, which, by the way, is why when Bush, you know, W. Bush, George W., gave us ICE with a divided um, ICE and Customs and Border Protection, we couldn't show half the file because of third agency rule. I mean, it was made so unwieldy, you have no idea. But understand that other than third agency material, we would show the file completely, photographs, addresses, whatever. There it is. Take notes. Do what you need. It's yours for using because this is a matter of law enforcement sharing information and so forth. And we did the same with other agencies. However, portion of the file had a big red flag. And the flag warned that if you divulged anything, I mean an address, a photograph, a name, to any other agency in the amnesty file, you as an immigration agent could be criminally prosecuted for committing a felony, which led to fraud, which meant that if the FBI was looking for somebody with a nuclear weapon and the only address or the only photograph that we had on this guy was in his amnesty file, they couldn't see it without a court order. Initially, it was under no circumstances, and then eventually they had to have a court order or the agent showing the file could find himself or herself in front of a grand jury. If it was a naturalization file, the person was here legally the whole time, did everything properly, that file, you turn it over immediately. To do less would be obstruction. Think about that. The amnesty file, however, you're talking about an illegal alien, came to the country, shouldn't have been here. We granted him amnesty. You could not show a piece of paper out of that file to any other agency under the penalty of prosecution. Thank you, Mr. Reagan. Why was that? To harbor and shield illegal aliens, to encourage fraud? I have no idea. We never got an explanation. It's both parties. So when people say it's one party or the other, I'm sorry. We're dealing with the Republicans, okay? And then along, of course, comes uh, Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton gave us Citizenship USA. We rushed 1.1 million aliens through the naturalization process, often before fingerprints came back, and we subsequently found out that we gave citizenship to thousands upon thousands of criminal aliens who not only shouldn't have been given citizenship, they should have been deported. Amazing. And then we get to 9-11, and we get to George W. Bush, and the way he created DHS, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. Barack Obama comes along. And my goodness gracious, the bottom fell out. Donald Trump was the first president in decades to understand the importance of sovereignty, an issue that's in the headlines today when you think about those two balloons that just got shot down. Two balloons. If you haven't heard, there was another one. We're not sure where that came from, but it was just shot down over Alaska. Sovereignty is the issue. And every time that... uh, Donald Trump used the word sovereignty, whether it was at the U.N. or someplace else, 
uh, the leaders around the world, including leaders in our country, became apoplectic. Oh, my God, what does he mean, sovereignty? We need open borders, right? Open borders, sure thing, lots of luck. And then we get Joe Biden. And boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, This is madness. This is sheer madness, and it's costing hundreds of thousands of Americans their lives every year. Hundreds of thousands of Americans. The hypocrisy is incredible. We hear nothing about about half the stuff that goes on, but we do hear about guns. The Democrats are out there. We've got to get the assault weapons. We've got to get the guns off the street. I can assure you that many more Americans die of drugs than they do of firearms, but they're not willing to do anything about the drugs. Uh, in point of fact, in many cities like New York, um, they've legalized pot, and they actually turn a blind eye and encourage people to use dangerous deadly, illegal drugs, providing hypodermic syringes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at a time when record quantities of narcotics flow into the United States, not just across the southern border, though. Let's realize that. It's coming in from Canada. It's coming in along our coastline. It's coming in through international airports. And yet the hearing that was just held on February 7th about the border focused on the southern border. Nowhere else, the southern border. I know I mentioned it last week, but I'm going to be repetitive. Bear with me. January 28, 2023, Fox News reported, Vermont border apprehensions in the last three months, more than the past two years combined. Record numbers of illegal aliens are flowing across the northern border, not just through Vermont. And the northern border is more than twice as long as the Canadian, I'm sorry, the northern or Canadian border is more than twice as long as the Mexican border. But what we're hearing is, as soon as we secure the Mexican border, then we can talk about comprehensive immigration reform. By the way, for whatever reason, the Biden administration is now taking down, or will soon be taking down the heliostats, the balloons used by the Border Patrol to monitor traffic along our southern border. Why? Why? You have to believe that this is because this administration, you know, sees in that flood of humanity flowing across the border, we have no idea how many millions, something that they want, something that they want. And I remember after 9-11, I worked with both sides of the aisle. Sheila Jackson Lee called me to testify at two hearings. Uh, For those of you that are old enough to remember, in um, in March of 2002, to everyone's horror, it was discovered that two of the dead terrorists from the 9-11 attack, Mohammed Atta, the ringleader, and Marwan al-Shehi, they were in the cockpits, by the way, of the two planes that slammed into the Trade Center Towers at the time of the attacks. They had both been granted authorization to attend flight school six months after the attack. So by now, the world knew that they were terrorists, and they were dead. But that didn't stop the inept immigration service from giving them authorization to attend flight school. And Rudy Decker, the owner of the flight school in Florida, German citizen, by the way, reached out to the Congress and said, what in the world is going on? These two guys are dead. They wanted to attend my flight school, but they're dead terrorists. What are you doing? And it turned out that the letters of approval were sent out by a private company. And I know the Republicans love to privatize government so they can claim they're reducing the number of federal employees. All they do is have the work done by a contractor, and the contractor, of course, gets paid to do it. And God knows the money probably comes back 
from the camp from um, uh, the contract the, um, the contracts that they get from the government to political campaign contributions, and the money goes round and round. And we're seeing it with the NGOs on the southern border right now. The omnibus spending bill allocated four billion dollars to take care not of securing the southern border, but to take care of the, quote, migrants coming across the border. They're not migrants. They're aliens, for Pete's sake. Migrant doesn't have anything to do with immigration. There are American migrant farm workers. There are American migrant workers, period. A migrant, according to the dictionary, is an individual who travels from place to place looking for a job. Migrant. He migrates from place to place. doesn't have to be across an international border. So I've decided if you don't want to use the word alien and you don't want to call them undocumented, let's call them what they are. They are clients. They are clients for immigration law firms, and you've got immigration lawyers on both sides of the aisle in great abundance. They are also clients of these NGOs, these non-government organizations that laughably are referred to as nonprofits. Nonprofits? Are you out of your mind? You can't make this up. George Orwell must be going nuts. So this is where we are. So I testified to Sheila Jackson Lee about how these two dead terrorists got permission to go to flight school on both sides of the aisle. We're on the same page. If anyone is here illegally, they pose a threat. If anyone is here illegally, we have to locate them and deport them because they're violating the law and it's a danger. Sheila Jackson Lee had me testify for her at another hearing about alien smuggling, and I convinced her through her counsel that instead of looking at the borders, let's look at visa fraud. People lying on applications for visas in order to gain access to the United States. And the point that I made in convincing them that I was right, and I did convince them, is that when we put a fence up on our property to protect the property, we don't lean the fence against the wall of the building, but we build it at the extremity of the property upon which the building is constructed. An effective, properly administered visa requirement pushes America's borders out to the embassies and consulates where the visas are issued. It has the additional impact of helping to protect airlines from allowing terrorists to get on board planes. If they need a visa and can't get a visa, they can't get aboard the airplane. Think of Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, not long after 9-11, who wanted to uh, blow up an airplane on its way to the United States. He came under the visa waiver program, created, of course, again, by Ronald Reagan. It's both parties. I want to be crystal clear. How we as Americans are fighting with each other over Democrats versus Republicans is the biggest scam going. When you have bipartisan support, especially when it involves immigration, I don't call it bipartisan. I give it a different name. I call it collusion. It's outrageous. And how many attempts did they make at comprehensive immigration reform? And I had written an op-ed for the Washington Times back in 2006 where the idea of it just blew my mind that I had testified about some hearings about such programs, and I said the notion that we're going to give lawful status to millions of people who snuck into the country and have no right to be here. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they're affiliated with, and we have no way of knowing when they got here. This garbage, oh, well, if they've been living here for the last eight years, five years, six years, pick a number. How do you know how long an illegal alien has been living in the country if they ran the border? They don't create a record of entry when they run the border. And there is no capacity to interview these people. There's just too many. There's absolutely no way to do a field investigation to verify what they're telling you is true. So somebody who comes to America tomorrow could claim to have been living here since before the attacks of 9-11. You come up with fake documents. You claim you've been using false names, and most of them do. I can't tell you how many illegal aliens I arrested. Then when we search them, 
incidental to the arrest, you would find multiple social security cards and multiple names with fake numbers. And I would say, well, where did you get these? Oh, I found them in the streets. Folks, how many times have you found a social security card lying in the streets? I had one guy who actually had about a dozen of those cards, each one different, and he swore to me that every time he walked to work, he somehow found another one lying in the street just waiting for him to pick it up. Are you kidding me? And we know that the 9-11 hijackers in the aggregate used more than 360 false names or variations of false names in order to conceal their activities in our country, something that the 9-11 Commission referred to as the embedding process. That's how bad this all is. I remember Sheila Jackson Lee calling out George W. Bush because he did not use all the money that was appropriated for him to hire more immigration agents, more Border Patrol agents, or acquire uh, uh, beds in the detention facilities. He was given enough money to hire uh, 800 new ICE agents that year, and each of the next four years, he cut that number to 143. He was given enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents that year and every uh, and, and for the next four years. And this was around uh, 2004 or 2005. Uh, and by the way, I testified at that very same hearing. That's how I remember these numbers. So he cut the 2,000 Border Patrol agents down to 210. He was given enough money to hire, as I remember, or purchase 800 detention beds each year. He cut that number to under 2,000. And Sheila Jackson Lee was crystal clear. You're endangering us, Mr. President. We need these facilities. We need the agents. They're protecting America. One of the investigations conducted by ICE uncovered a plot by terrorists to acquire fake ID. Look at the great work they did. If they weren't out there making those arrests of illegal aliens, uh, God only knows the terrorists might have succeeded. This is Sheila Jackson Lee. Where is she now? Bernie Sanders in 2006 stood with the AFL CIO and said, anyone who hires illegal aliens should be prosecuted because you're costing Americans their jobs and you're destroying the wages of middle-class, hardworking Americans. Where is he now? Who got to them? Extortion, bribery, threats? God knows. And we knew about Mayorkas because when he was working for the Obama administration as the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, an agency that's almost never mentioned in the news, and it's the most critical agency in my judgment, they adjudicate the applications for everything from political asylum to green cards to citizenship. I spent the years in adjudications offices. So when I speak about these issues, this isn't because a hair grew out of my ear and now I think I know what I'm talking about. I probably had one of the most diverse um, careers at the INS. I was an immigration inspector for four years. I was an adjudicator for a year. I was a special agent for 26 years. I rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch in New York, became the first INS agent uh, to be assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA, four years there, and and then roughly 10 years with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. This this isn't a, a, a game of I think and I wonder and maybe I was there. I saw it up close. I saw it in person. And how many talking heads on TV have any background on immigration? But they'll tell you what their opinions are, and they are very vociferous and forceful. It's crazy. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year. In fact, so many that we can't even properly vet them. After Afghanistan, a disaster created by this administration, 
We allowed in thousands upon Afghanis, a country that's behind most of the terrorism, a lot of the terrorism. Iran is certainly involved, and there's other countries. But Afghanistan, major player, ISIS, al-Qaeda. And then right after that, the FBI asked for something like 13 or $15 million in emergency funding because they need to track down all these Afghanis that we admitted. They had no idea who we let in or where they are. But keep thinking about all these failures at the ability to vet people, which is the mission of USCIS, Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency we don't talk about. I call it America's locksmith, right? You give someone a green card or a U.S. passport, you're handing them the key to the front door, aren't you? We don't hear about that. And that's the agency that Democrats and Republicans alike want to press into service to give lawful status to tens of millions of illegal aliens without the ability to interview them, certainly, to get field investigations. And there's, the only thing they have going for them is they're here, but they're here illegally. They violated our laws. Many of them evaded the vetting process. They trespassed on America. And somehow, this is going to solve the problem. We saw it with Reagan. This is the Reagan amnesty on super steroids. What could possibly go wrong? In fact, a number of the aliens involved in the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993 that killed six, injured over 1,000, and inflicted over a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damages to the Trade Center complex, got lawful status through Reagan's amnesty. But we don't want to learn the lessons. Right now in Indiana, they're looking to give driver's licenses or driver permit cards or whatever they call these things, because they're not quite licenses, but they can go out and drive, to illegal aliens. In 1993, January 93, a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, who had applied for political asylum, he was from Pakistan, had bought into a courier van service. That van had authorization to park in the CIA parking lot, and in January 93, Kansi jumped out of that van in the parking lot at the CIA in Virginia, but instead of bringing packages, he brought death. He came out with an AK-47, opened fire, killed three CIA agents, wounded several others, and fled the country. A month later, the 93 bombing at the Trade Center, we had an illegal alien renting the truck that carried the bomb and another illegal alien driving the truck. We put up barriers against car bombs and truck bombs all over the country. You go to Washington, D.C., boy, those barriers are everywhere, and Capitol Police can just push a button, and these grates will pop out of the sidewalk and slice your tires and block off the buildings to protect against car bombs and truck bombs. But we could care less, apparently, about who's behind the wheel of these vehicles when around the world, and including here in the United States, terrorists don't use airplanes but motor vehicles. Motor vehicles are so important to terrorists. Think about what they do. Number one, a motor vehicle gives a terrorist mobility. They can get around check things out. They can do surveillance. They can check out locations for a possible attack. You can hold clandestine meetings if you drive. If you drive a van or a, tra or a cab, some guy gets in the back of the cab. Is he going to his dentist or are you having a clandestine meeting with him? Or even if it's a civilian car, the same story. Guy gets into a car, you drop him off. Are you giving your neighbor a ride or are you swapping um, hard drives with, with your neighbor because you're both working together on a terror attack. I've done lots of surveillance, and if a guy gets into a car with somebody else, especially with the commercial vehicle, you have no way of knowing if it's simply somebody getting a ride in an Uber or somebody having a clandestine meeting. 
And then that van ultimately provides camouflage, can be used to mow people down, or can be used to deliver a weapon to a location that's going to be attacked. Motor vehicles are very, very important to terrorists. That's why the terrorists on 9-11 had multiple driver's licenses from multiple states. And yet, we still see the stupidity. We're going to give them driver's licenses because how else can they get to work? But they're not supposed to be working. Our immigration laws used to be the bailiwick of the Labor Department prior to the Second World War. The idea was to make certain that American workers would not have to compete with foreign workers. And, of course, now the politicians in both parties are saying the same thing. Oh, those immigration laws are old-fashioned. They're old. We need to modernize. And the first thing that they want to do about modernizing the immigration laws, you're going to love it, folks, is to remove that portion of language that says that foreign workers should not be hired for jobs in America when there are Americans ready, willing, and able to do the job in that location. That's old-fashioned. Now what they want is the law to enable an employer to fire every American worker and displace that American with a foreign worker who's likely to send money out of the country, by the way. Tens of billions of dollars in remittances. How wonderful. How is that good for America or Americans? I'm tired of people that say America first, America first. We've got to end America first. We do. And if you think I've lost my mind, I haven't. We need to replace America first with Americans first, because America first means the American corporations, such wonderful corporations as Disney, such wonderful corporations as General Motors, who got a huge bailout from the U.S. government, really us, we the taxpaying public, and they built factories in Mexico and China. Thank you, General Motors. Okay? America first? No. Americans First, we, the people, should be first. Think about what I'm saying to you. I remember, and I think I mentioned it last week, that during the re- a recess, during a hearing where I testified, and I've testified before a whole bunch of hearings, and it was interesting because I, I was just checking out the hearing that was held February 7th with two Border Patrol chiefs. Uh, I've testified in that very same hearing room a number of times. And it was interesting because Mayorkas wanted to keep the Border Patrol from providing witnesses. That happened to me the first time I testified before Congress. May 20th, 1997, I was invited by um, Henry Hyde, the late, great Henry Hyde, and uh, it was Lamar Smith, I believe, who's since left Congress. Lamar ultimately became chairman of the House Judiciary Committee as well. So they had me participate in a hearing, and the topic was visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud, because of the 93 attacks carried out in the United States by terrorists in the Middle East. Doris Meisner said there was no way she would allow me to testify, because you had to get permission from your agency before you could go and testify before Congress. And I remember sitting in my office the day before the hearing, waiting to get the official word, yay or nay, because I didn't have a computer at home in those days, but I certainly had one on my desk. And I had to prepare my testimony, and not testimony per se. It was the only time I did a hearing where I didn't provide prepared testimony. At all my subsequent hearings, I did. But they asked me to provide notes about what I wanted to talk about and possible questions to be used by the members of Congress uh, in, in conducting the hearing. And I'm sitting at my desk waiting for the word, and it was like a ping-pong game, back and forth. And finally, I was told that Lamar Smith told Doris Meisner, this is under the Clinton administration, 
that if she did not want me to testify, they have to live with it, but only temporarily because they would then issue me a subpoena. And in a subsequent hearing, a week or two later, they would hold a hearing with only one witness, and it would be an all-day hearing, and that witness would be me. I was told that Doris Meisner flew into a white-hot rage and allowed me to testify. And I remember seeing her at headquarters the next morning when I flew down to D.C., and because I was raised a certain way, I saw her in the hallway. I said, good morning, Commissioner. And I can tell you that if looks could kill, I would have been vaporized. I would have been a puff of smoke like that. And now here we are again, except it's Mayorkas trying to block the Border Patrol, and I want to know why. We have a government that has three equal parts, and Congress has legitimate oversight authority. It's indeed its mandate. How do you do oversight if you can't question the employees of an agency that's being scrutinized? It's absolutely incredible. It's not about governance. It's not about protecting the people or defending the Constitution or even being concerned about national security or public safety. Public safety doesn't mean anything, especially to the lunatic left. How many people have died because we've turned criminals loose on the streets? Drugs flow easily into the United States. And rather than discouraging the use of drugs, you have the Democrats legalizing drugs all over the place. And it's remarkable because I remember when marijuana was legalized in Colorado, accident rates went up, fatalities went up. You would have thought that there's a cautionary tale there. Politicians didn't care. How much money are you making? Taxes. How much revenue? That's all they care about. Right? Think about that. So it's full speed ahead. And if the Republicans are really that concerned, why aren't they? Why aren't they running ads the way we did with cigarettes, because that was very effective, warning people about fentanyl, warning people about meth, warning people about heroin, crickets. If you look at all the drug money that flows through Wall Street banking and real estate, you realize that the economy of the United States is floating on drugs. We saw that in Miami during the 70s and 80s. There's a wonderful documentary called The Cocaine Cowboys. If you get to see it, I recommend you go see it. And here's something that I want you to think about, mentioning The Cocaine Cowboys and Miami. Those of you old enough remember there was a wonderful TV series called Miami Vice. There was a movie, same title, same topic. And what was it about? How cocaine was being sent to the United States on speedboats from Columbia directly into southern Florida. Southern Florida at that time had a booming economy while the rest of the economy was in the tank thanks to Jimmy Carter's outrageous programs. Remember Jimmy Carter with his double-digit inflation and interest rates through the stratosphere and the gas lines and everything else? You know, Joe Biden's role model, right? So um, think about that. The economy was in the toilet except for Florida. Lots of the buildings that you see when you see views of Miami were built during that era because drug money was flowing freely. From what I read, if you wanted to buy a Rolls-Royce or a Maserati or a Ferrari, or you couldn't get them. They were out of stock. People were walking in, putting cash down, and driving out. Gold Rolex watches, same thing. Money was no problem. Violence was through the roof. They would drive by shootings. They tried to rush so many police officers into service, according to the documentary, that they didn't do proper screening or proper training. Many of these cops either wound up dead or in jail, all because of drugs. 
And the Reagan administration, to their credit, Ronald Reagan put George Herbert Walker Bush in charge, the vice president's task force on South Florida, and they started to interdict all the drugs. The U.S. Navy, the U.S. Coast Guard did a damn good job, started knocking the, those drug, drug boats down, seizing and arresting people, and working with prosecutors in Colombia to go after the cartels. So the cartels said, well, you know what? We're going to lose a lot of money. We'll give up half of our profit, but we're not getting the drugs into America anyway because of the U.S. Navy. So let's move the drugs from Florida to, you guessed it, Mexico. You know, when I testified before Congress, I said that the immigration system and border security are like a balloon. If you squeeze a balloon at one end, it's going to bulge someplace else. If you make it impossible to come through Mexico, they'll come along the coast. They'll fly. They'll go to the northern border. They're not going to stop. They're just going to change where they're coming in. When you get in your car, I mean, now with GPS, we tend not to do it. But I remember before GPS, you'd get in your car and you'd immediately turn to one of the major news stations. Why? Because every 10 minutes, they would give you a traffic report. So if you heard there was traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge here in New York, you would go to the Manhattan Bridge or the Battery Tunnel or the Queensboro Bridge. Why sit online? And if you listen to the accounts of what's happening on the southern border, and I'm sure it's happening every which way, the smugglers are paying attention to where our assets are being deployed, and they are moving the action accordingly so that they can evade the Border Patrol. That's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. And when you and, and I want to get into some of the stuff that was said at the hearing because it, it, it's really uh, it goes beyond disturbing. I, I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying because we know that there is a nexus between the human traffickers, the drug smugglers, often one and the same. And guess who? Hezbollah, which is an Iranian terrorist group. And Iran, by the way, is now working with Russia to build drones that they're going to use in the Ukraine. Who's to say that they couldn't use them on us and smuggle them across our border? Let me read something to you. There was a hearing on April 17, 2018, by the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee on the topic of the state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. Part of that testimony from a gentleman by the name of um, Dr. Emmanuel Odolenge, He's with the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, and this is what he said. And no one disagrees with him. I can tell you I've testified at hearings where other witnesses will disagree with me, and it's a back and forth, and that's fine. There's, there's more than one side to a situation, although you wouldn't know it from the lunatic left. They call them liberals. There's nothing liberal about them. Liberals celebrate the First Amendment and recognize the fact that everyone is entitled to his or her opinion and has equal right to be heard. Not anymore today. People are fearful of voicing their opinion. How in the world can you have a democracy and freedom when you can't speak what's on your mind without being fearful? That's what happens in third world countries. That's what happens in authoritarian countries. How many people have been killed or imprisoned in countries like China and Iran and so forth when people express their own ideas? Freedom of speech. That's why the Founding Fathers made that the First Amendment. But let me read this testimony. It's two paragraphs. The first paragraph is disturbing. The second paragraph, I promise you, will keep you awake tonight. Again, Dr. Emmanuel Ortolenge for the Foundation of the Defense of Democracies.
on the topic of um, state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network. This is just a portion of his testimony. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks, I'm just going to interrupt myself one more time, you normally think of Hezbollah in terms of the Middle East. Understand they have thousands and thousands of operatives all over Latin America, as you're about to hear. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt, corrupt political elites. God only knows, perhaps here as well, right, folks? Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. Now, here is the second paragraph, fasten your seatbelt. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is to say, let me go back to that, the nexus between Hezbollah and the traffickers, the human traffickers, the drug smugglers, and so forth. This toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts, meaning Iran's efforts, to build safe havens to terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. And yet, when President Trump, in his first two years in office, had a Republican-controlled House and a Republican-controlled Senate, the Republicans would not give him money for the border wall. Just stop and let that sink in. Let's not be foolish and naive about these people. The border wall was never designed to stop anybody from entering the United States, contrary to the nonsense from Nancy and company. The border wall was designed to make certain that it would be far more difficult for aliens and commerce, contraband, that is to say, from entering the United States without being inspected. The border wall did not block ports of entry. It was a funneling mechanism to help to cut down on entry without inspection, people entering without being vetted. That was the purpose for the wall. Anybody who voted against the wall voted for the cartels, voted for the terrorists, voted for the employers who were screwing over American workers. You know, we always hear this glib, happy talk. Oh, the Democrats are looking for the cheap votes and the Republicans want the cheap labor. How many times have you heard that nonsense? Let's go back and consider what cheap labor means. Cheap labor means you're going to screw Americans into the ground. You're going to destroy the middle class. And if you wonder why so many Americans think that socialism is a good idea, blame the greedy bums who sought to displace American workers or at the very least suppress their wages by hiring an army of foreign workers, both legal and illegal. 
Alan Greenspan referred to American high-tech workers as the privileged elite when he testified before Chuck Schumer's immigration subcommittee in the Senate and said the solution to wage inequality is to make high-tech Americans highly educated. These are Americans with advanced degrees. Make them compete with foreign workers because they will work for much less money. And once you have international competition, you could get rid of that wage premium we're paying to those high-tech Americans and in so doing greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. And Greenspan had the chutzpah, the unmitigated gall, to refer to high-tech American workers, people with advanced degrees who invested a ton of money and years of their lives in getting a high education, referred to these middle-class workers, the backbone of our technological progress, called them the privileged elite, the guy with mansions scattered all over the place, including the Hamptons. But middle-class, hard-working Americans who had advanced degrees, the privileged elite. So you destroy the middle class. People are unable to take care of themselves. They can't buy a car. They can't go on vacation. They have a problem getting food. And they hear the siren song of, oh, we can help you. And who's the we? The Democrats, because the Democrats are the party of the handout. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine in which I said that for the Democrats to succeed, Republicans, the Americans must fail. My dad used to say, if you want to turn a, a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. And boy, did we do a good job of that through the importation of an army of millions of foreign workers, both legal and illegal. And both parties are all in. The Democrats used to stand up for middle-class, hard-working Americans, blue-collar Americans. That's why I was a Democrat. My parents were Democrats. My dad was a construction worker. He was a tradesman. And without tradesmen, we'd all be living in caves or in trees or under trees. When the Democrats turned their back on the American worker, suddenly the American worker had nobody on his or her side. The Republicans are waking up slowly. Some of them are, but not enough of them. If you destroy the middle class, you destroy the heart and soul of America, and the survival of our country becomes problematic. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. I want to get now to the hearing with the amount of time we have left, because you need to understand that what the what the Biden administration has done is horrendous beyond words. Um, if you look at what I gave you, the um, there's a link to a press release. Is it, is it the, I think it's the press release. Bear with me, or, or the hearing itself. But there was a press release. And, and the press release was issued the day of the hearing, February the 7th, 2023. And it says this, Border Patrol Chiefs, Biden's border crisis is overwhelming. And it begins with a quote from one of the two chiefs. I don't have the correct adjective to describe what's going on. The press release begins by saying, this is Washington. Today, the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability held a hearing titled On the Front Lines of the Border Crisis, a hearing with Chief Patrol Agents. Chairman Comer and committee Republicans outlined how President Biden and his administration's policies created the worst border crisis in American history. U.S. Border Patrol chiefs testified about a crisis that has set records for the arrest of illegal border crossers, migrant deaths, narcotics seized, and suspected terrorists arrested trying to illegally cross the border. People on terror watch lists aren't the only terrorists. Many terrorists are on no watch lists. 
and we don't know who in the world the Godaways were, okay? It goes on and says, last Congress, Democrats did not hold a single hearing on the humanitarian and national security crisis at the border. Today's hearing was the first time the committee heard from U.S. Border Patrol agents during the Biden administration about their ongoing efforts to secure the border. The key takeaways, the Biden administration ignited the worst border crisis in American history and placed U.S. Border Patrol agents' lives at risk by removing deterrence-focused immigration policies and border enforcement tools. John Modlin, the chief patrol agent for the Tucson sector, emphasized that apprehensions at the southern border have dramatically increased under Biden administration. Quote, in 2020, our total encounters were 66,000. That figure nearly tripled in 2021 and then quadrupled last year. We closed last year, 2022, with over 250,000 encounters in Tucson, Arizona. That is a 257% increase in just two years. Agents responded to over 3,500 lost or distressed migrants who needed to be rescued or required emergency medical care. Many of these were difficult and dangerous mountain rescues, putting agents' lives in danger. Drug cartels and human smuggling operations are exploiting the chaos at the border to overwhelm the Border Patrol's resources, place migrants in peril, traffic deadly narcotics, and bring criminals into the United States. Ms. Gloria Chavez, chief patrol agent for the Rio Grande Valley, or RGV, sector, described how drug cartels are identifying vulnerable sections of the southern border, which is what I told you. They check to see where the resources are for our side, right? Quote, due to its proximity to the border of southern Mexico and Central America, RGV, that is the Rio Grande Valley, is identified as a major corridor by cartels and transnational criminal organizations, and it is exploited daily for human smuggling, narcotics trafficking, and other illicit activities. Mr. Modlin added that in his sector of Tucson, nearly all migrants we encounter are completely outfitted and camouflaged by the smuggling organizations before they cross. Most run from and may fight our agents to avoid apprehension. Many are previously deported felons who know that they are inadmissible to the United States, and many pose a serious threat to our communities. Mr. Modlin said that task saturation is a term that we use to describe a tactic where smuggling organizations split large groups of migrants into many smaller groups, these small groups are then directed to illegally cross the border all at once and at different locations, effectively saturating the area with migrants and exhausting our response capability. Ms. Chavez said, when I'm out there with our agents, we focus on the mission. I think we need to have a balance between immigration and border security and get serious about that. We are there to secure the border. We care about American people. Our Border Patrol agents work really hard every day to secure the border for the country. It was also stated during the hearing that control of the southern half of our border, that is south of the Rio Grande, is entirely controlled by the cartels. We have ceded border security of the United States to the syndicates that work with Hezbollah, human traffickers, and drug smugglers. And Mayorkas runs around saying the border is secure. And Kamala Harris says, she wants to get to the root cause of why people come. The biggest reason they come is when they realize they're going to get what they want. I coined an expression not long after 9-11 when I was on Lou Dobbs, back when Lou was at CNN. I was a regular on his show frequently. Uh, I would be on with Lou twice a week, sometimes more. And even when I wasn't on, his producers and reporters were calling me, often while the show was in progress, for advice about issues relating to immigration. And I coined an expression that was probably the most plagiarized thing I ever said. 
I said nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. Well, look at what we've done. And in New York, you have Mayor Eric Adams saying, we've got to stop it. We can't deal with all the migrants. We need comprehensive immigration reform. So understand something. Every time a person in position of political authority, whether it's a mayor, whether it's a member of the Senate, a member of the House of Representatives, whoever, Anytime they use the expression comprehensive immigration reform, they are encouraging people from all over the world, not just Latin America. Our Border Patrol agents have encountered people from 150 different countries. As I said when I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013, I was describing the Obama administration's abysmal track record. I said that the policies and statements by Obama had, in essence, fired the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world, and for them, the finish line is the border of the United States. So Eric Adams, on the one hand, is screaming bloody murder about, oh, my God, we can't deal with all the migrants. By the way, because of its sanctuary policies, New York um, has traditionally been seen as the city in the United States with the greatest number of illegal aliens because it hits the trifecta. New York State is on the northern border. New York State has um, seaports. And New York State has international airports, New York City as well, okay? So you're attracting people. We're going to give you driver's licenses. We'll give you access to health care. We'll educate your children. What do you need? We'll do it for you. And you're shocked that they show up. You put out an invitation. I remember when I was a kid, before they had to put all these gates on windows, we had a jewelry store. Robberies were rare, but nevertheless, the jewelers either took their wares out of the window and put them in the safe, or at the very least, they would throw a black cloth over them in the window so that people walking by wouldn't see sparkling diamonds and watches, which would be too tempting for some people to resist. So they tried to out of sight, out of mind. When you go out there saying, we'll do whatever you need, whatever you want. You know, at one of my early hearings, I said you get one opportunity for a first impression. The first laws that aliens entering the United States or seeking to enter the United States generally encounter are the immigration laws. The lunatic policies of the Biden administration and the stuff that was done by prior administrations, with the exception of Donald Trump, which is why they were so pissed at him. I I wrote another article where I said that Donald Trump was America's whistleblower in chief. And that doesn't mean I always agreed with Trump. I didn't. I didn't. I have a list of stuff I would do differently if I was Donald Trump or advise him differently. But he was the first president to take sovereignty seriously. And how long? I mean, think of the Chinese balloon enters our airspace and Biden says it's not a big deal. It's a border situation again. The balloon crossed over our borders to get into our airspace. No, nothing to see here, folks. And what happens if next time there's a bomb on board? I mean, really? Not a serious problem? They're spying on Americans, and that's not a serious problem? Sovereignty means nothing to Biden. National security means nothing to Biden. Public safety? Are you kidding me? I've come to call the Democrat Party the Democrat Party. I wonder how many funeral homes are giving campaign contributions to the Democrats because they've never had more business than they have now. Think about that one. So you have all this going on, people entering the United States, and Eric Adams, with his sanctuary policies, entices people to come here but screams bloody murder that he can't deal with it and needs more money. And then he tried to send people to Canada. I'd love to see the Canadian government prosecute him for alien smuggling. Think about that one. This is insanity. 
And what no one is paying attention to is that we are a country of limited resources. There's article after article this past week in particular about the drought in California. I've mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again. Every person requires about 100 gallons of water per day, period, every day, 100 gallons. I've read statistics, <laughs> and I, I don't know if they're accurate, but some statistics say that Biden has been responsible for admitting over 5 million aliens that shouldn't be here. Do the math. 500 million gallons of water a day are being consumed by people who shouldn't be here during one of the worst droughts in recent memory. How is that good for Americans? You bring children to America, they have to be educated. The law requires it. According to the Congressional Budget Office in a study back in 2006 or 2007, it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. So not only Bear with me one second. So not only are we dealing with just massive numbers of kids that need to be educated, which is tough enough, now we've got to deal with English as a second language because a lot of these kids are teenagers and they can't speak a word of English. And maybe that's part of the reason that the, the performance on tests for science, math, and so forth fell through the floorboards. I don't doubt part of it was COVID. But maybe it's because we flooded so many alien students into our schools who are not English proficient that their scores are pulling down the averages and the attention being paid to them is attention not being paid to American kids who should get the best education in the world. It's not one thing. But nobody wants to talk about that because too many people are all in about comprehensive immigration reform. Border security is not a bargaining chip. The fourth, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution says that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protected against invasion and domestic violence. This is an invasion. Think about that. What they need to talk about in the next hearings, just so you know, what's happening on the northern border, putting along the coastline. Maybe the Coast Guard ought to be involved with that hearing. And then we need to talk about the way that we're adjudicating applications for a variety of immigration benefits. You know, the wise guys, you know, if you build a 20-foot wall, they're going to come with a 25-foot ladder. Sure thing. They can come with a green card and walk through a port of entry. Immigration fraud, in point of fact, was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. And that was the topic of my very first hearing back in 19, uh, 1997. And it's that system that will be called upon for comprehensive immigration reform, and it's broken. And how many terrorists do you have to give lawful status to before they carry out an attack? The number was 19 on 9-11, isn't it? So they need to hold hearings about all of those problems, not just the southern border. Please understand the problems we face. I hope this program is helpful to you. I hope it's enlightening. I hope it raises questions in your mind, and questions are a good thing. Please share my articles with your friends. I write for Front Page Magazine. My own website is michaelcutler.net. If you like this program, please get a hold of the podcast. Send the link to your friends. Be part of my bucket brigade of truth. And please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Stay warm. And we'll see you again right here next week on the Michael Cutler Hour. Please get involved, folks. I'm counting on you. So long. See you next week.